All right, welcome everyone. Welcome once again. Uh, please open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel 2. We are continuing our study in the book of Daniel. This is our second week. And I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm enjoying studying the book. I think it's great. And I hope that uh, I'm able to convey just a little bit of what I'm learning. Um, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 30 today. And before we read it, I want us to think a little bit about uh, just our own experience. Uh, I'm sure that pretty much every single one of us has been in a situation or a problem, maybe a critical situation in which you just feel like you do not have the answer, right? It's a, it's a uh, you know, it, just a, a difficult situation where you feel like you really, really need wisdom from God where you don't know what to do, where you're maybe at the end of your rope, or maybe you've tried a bunch of different, you know, potential solutions and, and nothing seems to be working. And you realize that without God's help, without God's wisdom, you're not going to be able to, to get through it. And I would say, hopefully, ideally, that is our attitude for every single circumstance, right? Not just the really, really difficult ones, but even the ones that don't seem as difficult. My hope is that all of us would be able to say, you know what, without God's wisdom, without God's help, I am not able to do this. I cannot rely on my own wisdom. Uh, we started this series in the book of Daniel with the question of how do we live wisely and faithfully in exile? Daniel and his friends, they were in Babylon. They were away from home. They were in a, in a foreign pagan nation and they were living wisely and faithfully. And the connection for us is that we as believers, as citizens of God's kingdom, we are also living in exile. We're also living in a foreign pagan nation and we also need wisdom. We need God's help. We need to learn how to live faithfully. And so uh, today the emphasis will be on wisdom, wisdom from God. The whole chapter, the whole of chapter two is more about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He has a dream and basically the interpretation of the dream is God is king, right? That's the bottom line, but we're going to leave that for next week. And today we're going to focus on, on, on the first half of chapter two. And we're going to focus on the idea of wisdom. We need God's wisdom. If you're not convinced of that, let me remind you of uh, what Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs 14.2, he says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. None of us can trust in our own wisdom. The world will tell you, you know what? Just trust in your gut, believe in yourself, Listen to your heart, right? Listen, do, just do whatever seems right to you. But God tells us, actually, there are many ways that may seem right to you, but their end is destruction. Solomon also tells us in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge him 
and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. As we live in exile, right? We are citizens of heaven. As we live in this society that is hostile to Christianity, we cannot afford to be wise in our own eyes. We cannot afford to trust our own heart or our own understanding. This will bring us to ruin. We need wisdom from God. If we want to successfully navigate life in exile, if we want to remain faithful to God, we need to rely on God to trust in God, not in our own heart, not in our own gut. So let's read our passage. Uh, we're reading Daniel chapter two, verses one through 30. And uh, can I ask you to stand for the reading of God's word, if you are able? Daniel 2, starting in verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is no man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The king, sorry, the thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, 
Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made this matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have, give, you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah, a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, thank you for this story that is recorded here for our instruction. We pray that you, to whom belongs wisdom and might, we pray that you would reveal to us what you want us to hear today. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be convicting us of our sin, that your spirit show, would show us the areas in which we are not fully trusting in you, not fully submitting to you, and that we would repent from that and turn to you, that we would be reminded of your grace, of your mercy, that we would be reminded of your gospel and come to you 
in confidence. Please uh, help me deliver this message for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, uh, we find several principles about wisdom. And again, I believe that the main point of the entire chapter is the kingdom of God that, that will become even that, that will become clear when we look at the second half of the chapter. But for now, I want us to focus on the idea of wisdom. I mean, we cannot ignore the fact that the word wisdom, knowledge, understanding, mystery, these words show up over and over and over in this section of the passage. And I mean, we also have Daniel very, very clearly saying, uh, you know, blessed be the name of the God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. So the point, the, 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 uh, at least the point of this half is that wisdom belongs to God, that he alone is the, the source of wisdom and that if we want wisdom in any matter, we need to come to him. So I, I basically have four points. So let's just go through them. The first point is the wisdom of the world is dumb. That's a very simple Plain point, the wisdom of the world is dumb. And we see that in, at the beginning of, of the chapter, right? Uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself is having a moment of crisis, right? He's not able to sleep. He had a dream. I honestly don't know if he actually couldn't remember the dream and he needed the, 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 the wise men to tell him the dream or if he knew the dream and he was testing them. I mean, either way, he was testing them, right? But the thing is, he was having a hard time. He was troubled. He couldn't sleep. He was so worried about this dream that he had. And all of the men that he had that should have been his sources of wisdom, they all did not deliver, right? They couldn't deliver. Now, one thing that is, another thing that is interesting to me is that it almost seems as if Nebuchadnezzar knows that these guys are a farce. And yet he keeps them around, right? It is, it, it, that, that's what's interesting to me. He keeps them around. But at the same time, I kind of understand because we know that the wisdom of the world is a farce and yet we keep it around. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, right? So, you know, he has this, this strong uh, uh, declaration. He tells them, all right, if you cannot tell me the dream and its interpretation, I'm not only asking for the interpretation, I'm asking for the dream because I'm sure that these magicians and enchanters and uh, the Chaldeans, by the way, they are uh, astrologers. And so I'm, you know, all of these people, I'm sure that they would hear the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and then get together and plot amongst themselves and be like, all right, so are we all in agreement that this is the interpretation of the dream? Of the dream? All right, great. Let's, let's say it. So Nebuchadnezzar knows that these guys are pulling his leg, basically. And so he tells them, all right, Tell me not just the dream, sorry, not just the interpretation of the dream. I want you to tell me the dream. I want you to tell me what I dreamt of. And so obviously they can't. They can't. They don't have the wisdom. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the revelation. God has not revealed to them and will never reveal to them what the dream of Nebuchadnezzar was. And so, you know, Again, just thinking about why did Nebuchadnezzar keep these people around? I think the question we need to ask ourselves is why do we keep listening to the world? 
Why do we keep the wisdom of the world around? We know that the, what the, that the wisdom that the world has to offer is not really all that wise. In fact, it is dumb. It is anti-God. We know that the sources where, that we go to for wisdom, namely, you know, news, uh, uh, you know, news pundits or astrology or Jordan Peterson or, you know, all of these guys, that, you know, all of these guys that are, that are popular today, that are known, you know, for their supposed wisdom. We know that ultimately they don't have the wisdom of God. We know that ultimately, you know, not to say that every single thing that the news outlet says or that Jordan Peterson says or that, you know, other people say, not to say that every single thing that they say is wrong. I'm sure that these magicians and enchanters and Chaldeans, some had, uh, had some wise things to tell the king now and then. But the problem is that they had the wisdom of the world. And as we, uh, as we read last week, the whole world, according to 1 John 5, the whole, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And so the wisdom of the world is against the wisdom of God. We are reminded of this in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So we need to understand, we need to accept that the wisdom of the world is dumb. It will never be able to bring us to a salvific knowledge of God. It will never be able to bring us to a knowledge of God's will. We will never be able to understand the mysteries of God if we are relying on the world's wisdom or even in our own understanding. So where do we need to go for wisdom? We need to go to God for wisdom, right? And that is exactly what Daniel does. But before we talk about Daniel asking God to reveal the dream, I do want to talk a little bit about Daniel's confidence, right? It is interesting in verse 16 that Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. What is Daniel doing? He doesn't know the, the, the interpretation of the dream yet. He doesn't know the dream yet. And yet he is, he has this confidence that God will reveal the interpretation uh, along with the dream to him. And I would say that this, interp- this confidence that he had was a warranted confidence, right? Daniel was not just hoping that God would, you know, reveal the dream. Daniel knew that God had come to his help before. Daniel knew that God had come to the aid, to the help of his people before. And so let me suggest two things about Daniel. Let me suggest two things about why I think that Daniel had this confidence in God, this confidence that God would show up. One of them is he knew God's past mighty acts of deliverance to his people. In other words, Daniel knew his history. Daniel knew his church history, right? He knew what God had done in the past with the people of Israel. 
He had heard of how God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt. He had heard about how God opened the Red Sea. He had heard about how God opened the, the, the Jordan River so that they could cross. He had heard how God uh, uh, took down the walls of Jericho. He knew all of the things that God had done for the people of Israel. He knew that the God that he served was a powerful God that could deliver him. I mean, that's the same thing we see in, in Psalm 77, right? The Psalm that we just read, we see that there is this guy who is not able to sleep, who is so troubled. And what, is, what does he do to be able to receive comfort? He appeals to God's power. He goes back and remembers the mighty works of God. So we don't have, you know, a specific verse here in Daniel that tells us that Daniel knew these things, but we can all very, very safely assume that Daniel wouldn't be faithful to God. Daniel wouldn't be the Daniel that we know if he didn't know these things, if he wasn't acquainted and familiar with God's mighty Power. Let me read uh, uh, a, a little section of Psalm 77 again, just to kind of remember that. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your, your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings light up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. I'm sure Daniel knew all of these things. He knew the mighty works of God and that gave him confidence. But here's the second thing that I believe that Daniel knew and that gave him this kind of confidence. Daniel not only knew the history of God's faithfulness, of God's mighty powers, Daniel had experienced God's mighty acts of deliverance in his own life. We don't know anything before the deportation. We don't know anything before Daniel and his friends were brought to, Bab to Babylon. But we do know that in Babylon, he had already experienced God's faithfulness at least once in that Remember, he did not want to, he resolved not to de defile himself with the king's food. He didn't want to eat the meat that the king was eating. He didn't want to drink the wine that the king was drinking because he didn't want to be disobedient to God. And God delivered him, right? He's the, 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 the chief of the eunuchs said, I don't think I can do this. It's not going to go good for you or for me. But he said, just put us to the test for 10 days. Just give us vegetables and water put us to the test. And then God showed up, right? God delivered him. After 10 days, they were healthier than all the other guys that were eating the meat. After, 10, after the, the end of their, of their training program, they were wiser than all the other guys. They came to the king's court. And when the king 
saw them and asked them questions and saw their wisdom. When the king, when the king tested them, he found them to be 10 times wiser than the other guys. And so Daniel had already experienced God's mighty acts of deliverance in his life. So what about you? What do you do when you find yourself in trouble? What do you do when you find yourself in a situation that you just feel like you don't have the answer? You don't have the solution. You've tried everything that you can. I would encourage you to make sure that the very first thing that you do is go back and remember God's mighty works of deliverance. Go back and remember God's mighty acts of deliverance in history, right? Go back and and read Psalm 77. There are many other Psalms that recount the, the, the awesome deeds of God, or you could just go and read the whole Old Testament, but that would be a little too long, although I'm sure it'd be great. Um, you can go back and remember God's faithfulness to his people. You could even go back and read some church history. You could read some, some uh, biographies of some you know, heroes of the faith and just see the faithfulness of God to his people, his mighty works of deliverance. And then after you've done that, then start thinking about how you have experienced God's mighty acts of deliverance in your own life. Think about all the times that God has delivered you. Think of all the times that God has given you wisdom in a a particularly difficult situation. Think about God's faithfulness. Daniel was faithful to God and he was so confident that God would deliver him because he knew God's character. And so the more familiar we are with God's character and his power in history and in our lives, the more confident we will be to serve him and to be faithful to him as we are in exile. The question then is, was Daniel a name it and claim it type of guy? Was he exemplifying here the the power of positive thinking, right? Was he he just saying, all right, if, if I think hard enough, that God will reveal this dream, then he will. Is that what was going on? Of course not. Of course not. That's not what was going on, right? Daniel immediately in verse 17, went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise man of Babylon. Daniel asked for God's mercy. He asked God to reveal this mystery to him. Daniel did not presume that God would do whatever he asked for, right? It's not that Daniel was, you know, again, he was not into the power of positive thinking or name it and claim it, or I declare these things. He was reverently confident that God would come to his rescue, but he came and asked God for mercy. He knew that he needed God's mercy in this situation. Not only him, he went and asked his friends to pray for mercy. We have to recognize that we are in absolute dependence of God. We need his mercy. If we want to live successfully here in exile, if we want to live 
faithfully, if we want to live lives that are pleasing to God, if we want to raise our children right, if we want to be good workers, good employees, good bosses, if we want to, whatever it is that we are doing in this life, in this time as exiles, if we want to succeed in it, we need mercy from God. We need his wisdom. We need to come to him in humility and ask him to give us wisdom. If you lean in your own understanding, you're doing it wrong. If you think and say, you know, I think I got this. No, you don't. You need God's wisdom in your life. You need God's guidance. He is the one that, that you know, to him alone belongs wisdom and might. So if you have, again, you know, if you've found yourself in, in a difficult situation that requires wisdom, maybe you're in a situation right now where you know that you just can't do it. Again, my advice to you is to remember God's mighty acts of deliverance in the past to his people in history. Remember God's work of deliverance in your life and come to God in humility and ask for mercy. Ask him to guide you, to give you wisdom, to make the right decisions, to act and live in a manner that is pleasing to him. Go to the Bible. Here we have the wisdom of God. God has revealed his wisdom to us. Go to the Bible, read the Bible. Go to him in prayer. You could even go, you know, after reading the Bible, after going to God in prayer, you could even go and seek wise counsel, godly counsel. You can go meet with people who are godly, who are humble, and who have more experience than you, and you can ask them, hey, what do I do in this situation? I need wisdom, right? In Proverbs, it also says that in the abundance of counselors, there is wisdom. Also remember that if you have been saved, if you are regenerate, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom. You have to ask, you have to come to him in humility. The next thing here is that we need to remember that God, sorry, we need to remember that wisdom and might belong to God. So Daniel and his friends, they prayed for mercy. They prayed for a revelation of this mystery. And then in verse 19, we read that the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And what did Daniel do? Great, I'm gonna go talk to Nebuchadnezzar. We got it, it's all resolved. What was the first thing he did? He said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have not made known to, sorry, and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. So Daniel went and glorified God, right? After he received this revelation, after he understood, after God gave him wisdom, 
He went to God and glorified him. He praised him. And that's exactly what we need to do as well. We need to recognize that wisdom and might belong to God and we need to praise him for that. He gets all the glory, right? Even, even when he is in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar, he is set up to be like, yes, of course, I can reveal this to you. But that's not his attitude, right? He says, uh, the king asked him, right? Are you, in verse 26, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? And Daniel answered, no wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a really clever guy from Judah. No, that's not what he says, right? He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days, your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. So he is giving all the credit to God. He is saying, God is revealing these things to you. It's not because of me. It's not because I am wiser or smarter than anyone else. Wisdom and might belong to God. Now, here's something else that I want to point our attentions to. In verse 10, the Chaldeans say something really, you know, really, I, I, I don't know. I, I find it interesting. I find it almost uh, ironic. But in verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is no man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So the Chaldeans, of course, we know they're pagan. We know they, they don't believe in the God of Israel. They believe in multiple gods. But I mean, they, they, I guess they're not that dumb after all. They realize that there is no one who can do this. They realize that you need the help of the gods. Now we know that it's the help of God, the God of Israel. You need the help of God to reveal this dream. And they also say something interesting. His dwelling, the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Daniel, of course, was this man, right? The man that they said, there's no man who can do this. Well, God through Daniel revealed this wisdom. But I believe that Daniel points us to someone even greater. Daniel is pointing us to Jesus. He is pointing us to Christ, who is God made flesh dwelling among men. Right? Exactly what the Chaldeans are saying. This is not possible. This is not possible. The gods do not dwell with men. Well, in Jesus Christ, we have God himself made flesh and dwelling with man. In Jesus, we have the wisdom of God personified. And so I mentioned earlier, if we want to find wisdom, we need to seek wisdom from God. But now let me go even a little, even more specific. If we want to find wisdom, we need to find wisdom in Jesus Christ. He is the wisdom of God made flesh. 
He is God made flesh and he dwelt among us. And even and, and after his resurrection, he ascended, but he sent his Holy Spirit. And now his presence is with those who believe in him through his Holy Spirit. We, if, if you want to find wisdom, you need to come to Christ. This is what Paul says of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 1. In verse 23 and 24, the summary is, Jesus crucified is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In verses 30 and 31, summarize, Christ Jesus became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In Colossians 2, verses 1 and 5, again, the summary of it is, all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. If you have recognized, just like maybe Nebuchadnezzar was just beginning to recognize that the wisdom of the world was folly. If you have recognized that the wisdom of the, of the world is dumb. If you have recognized that your own wisdom, your own understanding is also not that great. In fact, it's also dumb. And if you have understood that it's only the wisdom of God that can ultimately guide you and deliver you, then the next logical step is to come to Jesus because he is the wisdom of God personified. He is the embodiment of wisdom. Now, let me give you a warning here, a warning that Paul gives to the Corinthians. The wisdom of God is madness to the world. Right? The wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, they oppose each other. And in the world's eyes, whenever, the moment you turn to Christ for wisdom, you become a fool to them. And that's a decision and a sacrifice that you have to make if, if God's wisdom is worth it to you, which I hope it is. I hope God's wisdom is worth it to all of us, right? This is what Paul says of God's wisdom in 1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 25, sorry, 21 through 25. He says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God. Sorry, let me reread that. For for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what is preached to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign and Greeks demand wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. If we want wisdom, we need to come to Christ and to him crucified. We need to come to the gospel. We need to begin with the gospel. If we want to understand the world around us, if we want to figure out the solution to all of our problems, the first thing that we need to figure out is the solution to our deepest problem, which is our problem of sin. Our problem of 
enmity with God. We are enemies of God. And God in his mercy and in his wisdom decided and revealed to us that the only way to come to him, the only way to be forgiven, the only way to become wise is through the death of his son, Jesus. And so I appeal to you that if you haven't come to Jesus, if you're seeking for wisdom, but you haven't come to Jesus, I appeal to you that you come to him first. And I also appeal to you that if you have already trusted in Jesus, that you continue to come to Christ, that you continue to rely on his wisdom, right? That you wouldn't think of Jesus as just kind of the entry. And now you have everything figured out, but you would say, no, I need Christ always. I need the wisdom of God embodied in Jesus Christ. I need him every single day. I need to be reminded of the gospel. I need to be reminded of the grace of God every single day. God has already revealed to you the greatest mystery, which is salvation in his son, Jesus. He has already given you his son. Do not be afraid or worried when you find yourself in a difficult crisis where wisdom is required. Rather, humble yourself, approach God with confidence, ask him for mercy, and he will lead you by his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you for this for this passage of your scripture that we have studied, Lord. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who is wisdom personified, embodied. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you that you have revealed the mystery of your salvation to us. I pray that none of us would boast. None of us would dare to think that we understand these things because we are so clever, so wise, but that we would humble ourselves and realize that it is only by your mercy. I pray, God, that you give us wisdom in the difficulties of life, that you give us wisdom in in the trouble that we have, that we will continue to have here in this life until your son Jesus returns. I pray that we would rely on you, that we would not lean on our own understanding, Lord, but that we would trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.